This is Near Dark Radio. 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 Welcome back to the show, folks. This is your host, John Gower, and I'm joined by returning guest, Robertson County's grand champion boy. I eat all the food. <laughs> Mr. Ray Fox, how are you doing, Ray? I'm doing fantastic. I have been a certified grand champion at the fair as a boy. What did they make you do? I worked it. And they give out prizes for that. <laughs> Since the beginning of time. In case you're wondering, Ray and I did go to the county fair last night. Uh, we'll be reporting on the sights and sounds that we encountered there. It was a lovely time. Uh, first, I wanted to rant about Bonnaroo. As we all know, Bonnaroo 2021 was supposed to happen last weekend, but was canceled due to flooding from... Hurricane Ida. And as luck would have it, I had a show booked on Saturday, this last Saturday. And of course, a number of my friends from the area were not going to be able to come to the show because they had tickets to Bonnaroo. So fortunately, it got rained out. Unfortunately, these people still did not come to my show. Something similar happened a few months ago. I had a show booked in Nashville at the Sutler local venue on the same night that Garth Brooks had a concert at Nissan Stadium. And as we were loading in our gear to the Sutler, we saw the the dark storm clouds looming on the horizon. And as we started to play our show in the safety of the Sutler with plenty of strange faces, Several of my friends and family were washed out of Nissan Stadium in a monsoon before Garth Brooks could ever take the fucking stage. Would you say that the thunder rolled? <laughs> you know he made some fucking awful pun about that. <laughs> that son of a bitch. What a piece of shit. I, have to, I, I just have to say that just to, as Garth Brooks is brought up. What a garbage. Ugh. Anyway. I prefer Chris Gaines myself. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, twice this has happened now, and it got me thinking. It got me thinking that God is trying to tell you something, folks. <laughs> Perhaps even Chris Gaines is trying to tell you something. And that is that if you have the choice between supporting a local artist at a local venue or buying an overpriced ticket to a corporate industry-funded event, you might consider choosing the local venue because apparently you're all getting washed out of the, of the big corporate events and you're not showing support to the local artists. And I want you all to know if you're listening, if you keep what, what you do when you buy a ticket to Bonnaroo or Garth Brooks, instead of going to one of your friends or neighbors or family members show at some small local venue, is you're voting with your dollar. You're voting for the record labels to keep producing the same mundane bullshit that they've been producing for years. And you're voting against the success of your local venues 
and your local artists. And if you keep doing that, your local venues are going to close and your local artists are going to get jobs working construction or selling real estate. And the upcoming apocalypse is going to be much grayer and bleaker than it could be otherwise. And after the apocalypse, when there is no more national or international entertainment, and you want to come down to Mad Max's uh, music shack and like come in the door and there's like a one-eyed man with a hook for a hand who weighs like 325 and he's like 6'7". And he's like 6'7 and he's a bouncer. And uh, he's not going to let you in because the few musicians that still exist, will they will have long... In, in the coming times, everyone will have long memories. <laughs> Long, long, long memories, and they will remember. They'll have long COVID, and they'll have long memories. memories. And they'll and and they'll think back. They'll think back to the before time, and they will probably have you thrashed and not admitted. They'll just have you beaten, and people or dragged on stage for a ritualistic sacrifice. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there there won't be pyrotechnics in the in the near future. You'll just be getting cut. It'll be bloodletting. You'll just be getting cut open with a ceremonial knife by a priest of Astarte while uh, someone like Johnny plays the Cheers theme song in the background <laughs> on loop. <laughs> and everybody sings along raucously while they drink rubbing alcohol that's been diluted through mashed corn. And, they, and they're going to love it. No, they'll be drinking hand sanitizer. Let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. Let's be honest. You want to go where people know who you are. That was for copyright reasons. <laughs> right, right. We'll get to copyright later. We, we will. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you're doing the same thing as when you go to an O'Charlie's or an Applebee's instead of going to your local steakhouse or deli. Yeah. Or you, 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 you go to Home Depot or uh, Lowe's instead of your local hardware store. Yeah. You're participating in the downfall of small businesses. You fucks. Yeah. It's already been mandated by the government. Don't play along. Yeah, it, it has been. And there's a weird overlap in all of this between people, and I've always thought this kind of about music festivals, that at least whereas the musical experience is involved and it's frequently secondary to other things that we all know happen at music festivals, which is Correct. why you really go to music festivals, that are, as, as a theme that, uh, John and I have covered before on here, the increasing lack of intimacy in society is reflected in these musical events. There's nothing intimate or personal about going to a giant fucking field where there are nine to ten acts playing at once and they're all over the place and it's sound engineered for you to waft in and out of these bubbles of acoustics and just stagger almost in a fugue state from one type of music to another. Or a K-hole. <clears throat> or a K-hole as you're like up to your knees in mud and you're... You're, and come and come and you're you're whacked out on some really stepped on Molly, right? Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's, it's something It's worse. literally stepped on. It's literally you found it in the mud. In the mud, you don't know what it is. Could be baby Tylenol. You just took it, and then there's, you know, you're you're having a placebo effect that's somehow profound on you. All this shit is happening. 
there's nothing intimate about this experience. And as we live in a society where there's an increasing lack of intimacy in general, and there's something as important to the human condition as music, it is the ultimate disconnected consumerist experience. If I could put you in a VR headset where it's just your fucking spot, it's the top 10 artists in your Spotify account, and I could drop you into a VR scenario where you're wandering around in a field while like it pumps certain drugs into you. What's the difference? What is the difference? What is the difference? It's just your playlist echoing around in your head yep. as you stagger around in a field. And I, there, I understand that there are large musical events going back, you know, definitely in the history of Abrahamic religions and then to the, cor- the, the chorus and theaters in Greece and probably back to Egypt where there are massive gatherings involving music. Ecstatic events. Ecstatic events, but those still maintain a level of focus. The whole way that everyone is able to get into sync. Like you're not at Live Aid with Freddie Mercury in front of you in like 1985 as you have this person who is clearly a maestro and one of the greatest assemblies of human beings in Help. the 20th century. Yeah. Help. Yeah, exactly. And he is moving tens of thousands of people all at once and bringing, but that was the thing. He brought them all into unison in the same way that you would tune an instrument when people don't get about that moment was he was almost like tuning a crowd. Right. It's what he was literally doing. He was getting everybody in tune and then he played his music. You, this None of this is happening at these festivals. I usually do that by getting everyone to drink half of their beer before we start playing. That's called that's, tuning the audience. As well. Tuning the audience, yeah, that's that's a part of it. You got to believe that that was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, Mercury. No, came but those, that. but right, and there's it. They've become this new, I, and I'm, I'm not even shitting on Bonnaroo as a concept, like a yeah. music festival as a concept. I understand in the early days of Bonnaroo, in the early days of Coachella or whatever that yeah. fuck that is, people went to these things because they were they had like two jam bands. They were yeah. headlining it, and then they could wander around on drugs and yeah. hear new, like, not really discovered artists playing music in weird little tents and shit, and they could discover new music. Yeah. That is not what's happening anymore. Fucking Lizzo and Paul McCartney and Sir Elton John are headlining these events, and you might as well fucking, I mean, it, it could be yeah. a... It's 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 the exact same thing as an all-inclusive cruise. Yes, it's a it's basically a mud cruise. I it's mean, that's what it, it's mud it's a mud cruise. it's a mud. I mean, cruise. it's well, it's the millennials' version of a of a resort, uh, an all-inclusive cruise. It's and just look how the literal attempt to instantiate that concept and reality, not as a metaphor, but a real attempt, which was the fire festival, turned out. <laughs> Like, I mean, look at it. Total lack of intimacy, poorly planned, didn't really happen, was an absolute fucking fiasco on every level. Like, you are placing yourself into these situations. And you're like, why was I disappointed by this? Or why did this happen? Or like, you know, this bad thing happened to me at a music festival. I was assaulted. I was sexually assaulted. You know, somebody robbed me. And these are not good things and they should not be condoned. And I am not condoning them. I am. But you decided to go to a thing that was 
poorly organized and lifeless and soulless and right. consumerless, where the majority of the people there are like, I'm here to get loaded. Correct. And not know Correct. where I am. If you're and one not of the, know what's going on. Yeah. If you're one of these these fucking Bonnaroo diehard every year, ride or die, Bonnaroo for life, Bonnarube motherfuckers, imagine going to Bonnaroo with no drugs and no alcohol. <sighs> Try to imagine that. I bet you can't. Yeah. I bet you can't. I had a, a I had two buddies that they with a couple of other people. Man, this must have been 10 or 12 years ago. They decided to go to Bonnaroo. And this is when I kind of knew them. Uh, I knew one of them who wound up being one of my best friends, still is. And it just, it's, I'll keep this brief, but it's almost like a story of Bonnaroo itself. The, the, they had a really good lineup. They'd never seen this many people. They'd never been to a music festival. They wanted to go to Bonnaroo. So they were like, okay, let's go to Bonnaroo. They're like, we don't have enough money to work at Bonnaroo, to, to get to Bonnaroo. And we work at a bar and we don't have enough money. So like, how will we get the money? And they're like, and neither one of them had ever done this before, but they were like, let's sell and flip Drugs, weed, let's sell weed. Sure. So, as many do. They sold weed in a major metropolitan area for like three months and they got a huge stack of cash. <laughs> Enough to cover them renting an RV, getting the tickets, oh, wow. getting everything that they needed. Well, story takes a turn. They got an RV. It wasn't the world's best RV, it had some problems. They drive from the East Coast, Mid-Atlantic region, all the way over to the greater Pelham area in Tennessee. So they came through the mountains, all that. They they get to the site, and they, they, of course, there's a huge line going in of cars. And there's no room on either side, and it had recently rained. The shoulders, it was slippery, it was muddy, everything else. One of the guys driving, not my best friend, but another friend of mine, he proceeds to have an epileptic seizure while he's stuck in this line God. behind the fucking wheel. Like, I, 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 it may have been a grandma. I think it was a grandma. It wasn't like a petite mom. It wasn't like he was twitching a bit. Like, he was yeah, down. Yeah. And they had to say, and then the RV almost went off into this kind of ditch ravine type situation where it would have rolled over. My buddy had to grab the wheel. He had to stop it. And then that, at that point, there were drugs out, and people had to run around and put the drugs away because then the people want to come inside because of paramedics, and they had right, to come right. inside. Then there was a series of them getting ripped off when they were there, and they had a series of things happen. Some stuff got stolen. I mean, then they had to leave. The the RV broke down at a certain point while they were there, or they got lost. And it was my my friend doesn't regret the fact that he went, but like he acknowledges that it was a shit show. It was an absolute fucking shit show filled with like weirdos. And this man worked in a raucous bar. And he he was a doorman and he'd managed for years. And like he which is to say he's primed going in. Right. He's not like for, some 17 for, for you know yeah. contingency situations. Yeah. He's got that background. He's and he's, you know, he's not some 17-year-old kid who's like, I want to go see my favorite stars. And they're a bit naive and they get right. thrown into this. And they have a heat stroke in the middle of the fucking field. Yeah, and- no. And he was like, yeah, man, it was pretty fucking sloppy and like intense and weird. And he did see some good music there and some good comedy, but he was like, yeah, it was a fucking mess. I was like, would you ever do it again? He's like, no. no. He's like, no. And I feel a lot of people, 
No, and and uh, people would chalk that up to be like, I'm oh, your type of person who hates camping and you don't want to be outdoors and, and that, you just, just shut up. And it's like you're not outdoors. No. You're not camping. No, you're in a giant field that gets torn to pieces. It's muddy. You're watching people piss themselves and throw up. Right. And like cr- they ate too many mushrooms and they're crying because the Virgin Mary has descended upon them in the middle of like triple extentations. Literally set. upon them. Their yeah. head is inside of her. Exactly. Like, and, and they don't know what's going on. It's some dude beside them like who's lit on MDMA is like playing hacky sack and like giggling to himself. <laughs> you know, this is not... A lot of people, I feel, it's a place where yeah. where people over twenty three can go to feel like they're fifteen or sixteen again for three days. Just listen to me. Listen to me now, viewers, listeners of this podcast. Listen to Ray. Listen to me when I say this. When all this started out, there was no Airbnb. Airbnb. Get fucking ten or twelve of your really good friends. Get a bunch of substances and activities that will give you a good amount of fun and rent a nice place out in the fucking woods. And if you want to invite a band, that's cool. If you don't, just put on your fucking Spotify, play your music, have fun at a dope house out in the woods, you know, and you know what? You're like, well, what if I wreck some stuff? It'll still probably be cheaper than the amount of food and the, you getting gouged. If you wreck Correct. some shit in the house, that's probably gonna it's probably gonna all even out, and you're gonna have a better time. Yes, and you, you and you're like, but will I get? And you're gonna be able to shit in the toilet. Yeah, you won't impregnate some stranger that then contacts you months later or right. has to find you through social media because you were. You'll in impregnate the, your friend. Exactly. You were because you were you know you were way off in the K hole when you were fucking someone in the mud during you know. Tori Amos set at some fucking yeah at some fucking music festival like just is that what you want your your illegitimate child exactly. to know about his conception you don't no so so just rent so, an Airbnb or or better yet yes take that four hundred dollars plus you know whatever it costs for drugs alcohol food bottled water emergency room visit. Yeah. Penicillin for the gonorrhea. Yeah, exactly. Take all that money and go to 10 or 15 shows that your friends yes. or neighbors yes. or friends of friends or family members are performing in a local venue throughout the yeah. year and fight the man. Rage against the fucking machine. Do it. You faggots. And rage against yeah. the machine can go fuck itself. Yeah. They they crapped out when things got really bad. They're like, we're a political protest band. And then when like we were having wars for no reason. Wear a mask. We it's a form to. of political protest. It's, yeah, dude. It's that's I, I could go off on them forever. But to quote the Ghostbusters, <laughs> please do. Don't cross the streams. If you want to have a sloppy fucking time with your friends and do drugs and just hear music and run wild. Airbnb a fucking place in the middle of nowhere that's dope. Trust me, you can find them, and if you split it twelve fucking ways, it's gonna be it's gonna be cheap. It's gonna be cheap. It's gonna be fucking cheap. I'm talking about like you outdoor. might be sleeping in a in a sleeping bag on the floor, but it's better yeah. than sleeping in a mud puddle. It's, it's much better, you know. And you'll still be in a rural area like you were at Bonnaroo. And if you want to have a music experience 
then just go and fucking do that and spend your money on that. But there's right. no need right. to cross the streams. Stop living your parents like acid burnout memories. Thank you. Like, yeah, you don't need to fucking do that. Woodstock was a yeah. was a very peculiar, weird thing that happened. We don't need it every fucking year. We don't need it every 50 years. The more you do something like that, the less that it matters. Correct. I mean, that event itself is an outgrowth of a very old tradition, very old tradition in the United States of America that were known as like camp meetings or revivals. They were religious meetings. They are religious experiences. experiences. And you would have preachers, some sincere, some that were hucksters, and they would whip people into a frenzy. And and a lot of them would go, the people, even around in a place like where we are now, they would go and they would get riled up and then they would, this is well recorded. Like the younger people would get worked up into a frenzy and they would sneak off around the fringes and like fuck. Right. And fight. Right. That's what it was. Like Is it something prelude like, to the afternoon of a fawn. Yeah. You know, so something like Woodstock, I understand you want to connect with a whole lot of people. And that is an amazing experience. But then also, if that's how you feel, stop shitting on Trump rallies. <laughs> that's what you're doing. You're doing a sloppy fucking a really gay Trump rally. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're doing a photocopied version of a hippie burnout, like... Correct. Bullshit festival. Correct. And that same connection is had by people at Trump rallies. You, that's what you're doing. If you really want to talk yourself out of this, just like... And guess yeah. what? They come home and their suits are relatively clean. Yeah. And they're relatively clean. And here's the other thing. If you're like, no, because that's explicitly political. How many of these music festivals do you see, like Planned Parenthood tents? Do you see, like, right. Save the Refugees? Register no, to vote Register tents. to vote. How many of these stars get up and, like, lecture you on political subjects while you're blasted out on fucking mushrooms? Oh, I mean, even my most politically, you know, retarded friends were, got very disturbed by, uh, what's his name, the the... The what's that horrible band? The the fl- flaming lips. Oh yeah. When the flaming lips went off on a fucking political tirade four or five years ago at Bonnaroo, and they were like, "Oh god, oh god," this gray-haired, yeah, dude, fucking acid burnout guy is telling me who I should vote for. This is not okay. I like I like the flaming lips, but don't let anyone who lives in a repurposed schoolhouse from the 1940s tell you how to live your fucking life. <laughs> That's where he lives. I know this. I've had experience with this man and this band through a certain way at a certain small venue where after they had a big gig, they showed up to DJ. And I happened to be there and know people who were like involved in running the place. And it was. And Don't it make was me lose weird. respect for you right now. And it was like is- a weird. They're. they're, they're Understandably, they're weirdos, but it's just like they're not weirdos in that even interesting way. They're like no. disconnected, right? Weirdos. They're if not, you approach them, they yeah. get frightened. They get spooked. They're Other, like deer. Yeah. Other than the fact that they eat and fuck and piss and shit, they don't have much in common with you, and they wear clothes. Like they they live a very weird life. Like you're not getting up at like you know eleven in the morning and and. You, Deciding that you you want you want to yeah. refurbish the inside of your short bus that you bought right from yeah what or, yeah or that you're gonna record an album with some like posh, with a xylophone yeah yeah we're like you want to you want to call up you know you want to call up 
Mideast Asia so that you can get in contact with the world's best tabla player who's Pashtun. So that but you you're going to make, make tr- him play tabla on a Fisher-Price toy. Yeah, exactly, so that you can then write a track about how, like, you know, you don't like sidewalks or something. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's it, these, these people really are, the majority of them are way out, disconnected, not connected. Yes. I mean, and that goes, for, if you're a big name star in most genres of music, like, I mean, yeah. So much of country music that's popular as an example is people trying to convince you that they have similar lives Correct. to yours. Do you think they that do not. Luke Bryan is running around backroading at night drinking alcohol anymore, mm-hmm. even though he sings about that all the time? Like, no, he's not. Like, here's, here's a tip for you. Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, and I know this is a bit of an older reference, but like, they have giant parties at a mansion and just like rail tons of cocaine. From what I've heard, I don't want to get sued, but I heard allegedly, allegedly that they that people who park cars at their parties just see dashboards covered in fucking cocaine dust, and they go inside and like people are having like just shy of eyes wide shut. Bus I was just fests. about to say, like I mean, these are not people who, and they're going out and they're like, yeah, I'm in the cornfield, and it's like they're in the south of France on a fucking yacht. Correct. Like this is not, and and it'd be one thing if they admitted they that they torch they torch sections yeah. of the Great Barrier Reef with crude oil for fun. Yeah, you know, at least rappers admit. Right, <laughs> right. They're just right. like you know to to quote. Kanye, I'm richer than you. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. No, it's just like that, that famous anecdote from uh, Dave Chappelle when he said he knew Kanye was going to be famous when he had him on the first time uh, on the Chappelle show to do music, and they were up on that rooftop filming that video that was going to be at the end of one of his episodes, and they're f- like freestyling live, and then as they're about to start, somebody calls Kanye on the phone. And Dave was like, I can only hear Kanye's side of the conversation. And it was like, uh, and the person was like, he said, like, hello. And he was like, yeah, you know, I can't do that right now. Well, because I'm with Dave Chappelle and I'm like filming a music video. Well, yeah, I'm on top of a roof. Like, I got to do it right now it's for an episode of his show. And there was a long pause and Chappelle, it was an extra long pause. And he could see Kanye kind of just like raise an eyebrow. And he said, because I'm dope. And I do dope shit. And he hung the phone up on the guy, and then he did it. Like, that's far more honest, folks. Correct. It's far more honest that than these people who are bamboozling you. And they're bamboozling you at these fucking concerts as well. They're bamboozling at these. Well, put it, let's, all right, let's, let's put a pin in that. Yeah. Let's put a pin in that because that's also the name of a Spike Lee film. Yeah. And, excuse me, joint. <laughs> and let's, let's, try, let's try to get. Let's try to convince our listeners that we are in touch, that we are connected. We are. Because we, after a greasy dinner at the Dixie Maid Cafe, one of the few restaurants left in the world where you can smoke cigarettes at your table or in the kitchen. You can walk into that fucking place smoking a cigarette. Correct. And just keep smoking it. It's glorious. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's a little small for, a, for an indoor smoke fest. But it, you, yeah. It's, 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 it's special. So after a greasy dinner there, we headed over to the Robertson County Fair last night. Uh, Robertson County Fair founded in 1868. That's right. That's right. Same year that Andrew Johnson was impeached by the House, one of our three Tennessee presidents. Mm-hmm. 
uh, right before he pardoned uh, all of the Confederate yeah. generals for their participation in the Civil War. What some might say that the fair was a celebration of that, <laughs> and in general, just to pick me up to dudes who like had all their stuff burned and were missing an arm. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and, pe- and people who were like had been freed and were like. You're free now. And they're like, what do we do? And they're like, that's your fucking problem. Sure. Go to the fair. Cheer up. Sure. Uh, <laughs> that year, you know, Jesse James might have made a little stop off and spent some of his, you know, newly acquired cash on his way back from Mississippi. Uh, the uh, 14th Amendment was ratified that year, mm. giving former slaves citizenship. First uh, commercially successful typewriter was invented that year. You're a writer. You should appreciate that. The QWERTY QWERTY typewriter. The QWERTY. I did not know that that's where the, like, so that's where the QWERTY, like, uh, That was just the most... Comes from. Commercially successful uh, layout for ticking and tacking. Yeah. And, of course, most importantly, the Robertson County Fair kicked off its uh, first year. Uh, The Midway was predictable. Mm -hmm. It was. It was lots of rides that'll make you... Make a grown man want to throw up a greasy hamburger um, or an elephant ear. We didn't get any food at the fair. I almost got an elephant ear, but like I told you last yeah. night, the first time I had a fried piece of dough from a county fair was at the Robertson County Fair, yep. after which I got on a ride called the Zipper that I'm not even going to try to explain. <laughs> I threw up all over the place, and I haven't eaten a funnel cake since. Yeah. Um, we did do one ride. The, the AstroTurf. The AstroTurf <laughs> is where you get on. It's a tower. It's one of those things that drops you, but instead of dropping you, what they do is they get trans-exclusionary radical feminists, and they get them on the ride, and, they, and they, they, they're rising up in the air, and then you think that they're going to, like, shunt them down, and it's going to slow down, but it doesn't. It just pile drives them into the ground and kills <laughs> them. And then, and then uh, someone from an alliance gets up and is like, these people deserve to and then, and then they just start playing like Wagner or something. I it was not. I, it was nice <laughs> to land on top of J.K. Rowling's court. It, it was. It was fun. Yeah, but no, it was. It was really called uh, AstroTurf. Is not what it's called. It was called. Uh, uh, I don't remember what. At, it was. At, at, Atmos- atmosphere. F E A R. Right. Right. Because as the first carny we met that night, a toothless middle-aged gentleman, genuinely toothless. I'm not saying that as a descriptive term. Genuinely toothless. Yeah, he was missing his front four top teeth and probably two the two middle bottom ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as he told us, um, as we started our ascent of this tower, he's <laughs> very good naturedly looked up at the only two guys over the age of twenty three on this ride and yeah. said, "Everybody screams." Everybody screaming, be screaming like a girl. I mean, there was something about him where he looked—he it looked like someone had time traveled a veteran of the Black Hawk War into the present and had them just operate a fucking you know carnival ride. I mean, this dude was—he was raw boned looking. He was—he was one of those people that you're definitely like, yeah, that guy has won some. He's won some money in bare knuckle fist fights, right? At the drop of a hat, lost some like, teeth, yeah, lost won some, teeth, some money, won some money. But he's a dude who big raw boned guy i mean he's not one dude that you would want to mess with no you know not no, as you put it last night he, he he wouldn't win the fight 
because of skill or dexterity, no. but because he could eat the pain. He could eat the pain. He could just <laughs> eat the pain. Like, you're not hitting that guy hard enough. Like, you're either choking that guy out or if you're super, super strong. And he's learned how to bite with his molars. Yeah, exactly. You're not you're not bringing that guy. Your best bet is to choke a guy like that out. You're not really knocking that guy out. No. You're going to have to break his legs or something where he can't get to you. No. Like uh we met uh, the next carney we met was a a younger younger gentleman probably in his late 20s, early 30s. Yes. Uh where he was he was operating a sort of like petting zoo that had a had a greatest showman backdrop to it, mm-hmm. and he was wearing, you know, a little a little black waistcoat with gold buttons and a red suit, bleach blonde short hair. Yeah, my chemical carney. It's just think about that. Like that's that's what he was. He was quite a showman. I'm not going to take that away. Oh, he was from great. Him. He showman. was good. I mean, he had the carney vibe of a dude who just had too many scrapes with the law. And he was a bit slick and smart. He wasn't stupid. And maybe he- No, 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 not dumb. No, not dumb at all. And also had great core strength from some of the stuff that we watched him do. Yeah. So what he was doing was he was doing magic tricks and feats of daring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, PG-13 feats of daring. You don't want to scare the shit out of children. For the children. Yeah. And he was, so he was a true carny. The thing about a true carny, like you said, he's a showman. Mm -hmm. He, He was. A true carny- can make sure there is always a crowd in front of them. Yeah. Because one thing about the fair or the Renaissance Festival, same thing applies to Rennie's. At a county fair, your audience is always in flux. They're moving. Yeah. They're never, they're, they're, they're like, same as at Bonnaroo. There's too many things to see. You're not going to stay in one place for very long. Yeah. You're not going to see it all, so you got to keep moving. And a carny, one, will always make sure he is drawing new people into his crowd. Yes. He's keeping everybody there as long as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. And he is completely uh, unaffected when people leave and move on to the next thing. Right. He doesn't let it get to him. He doesn't go, oh, they don't like it. Yeah. Oh, they don't appreciate my craft. He is always on. He is always thinking, this is the best thing I could possibly be doing right now, and these yeah. people love it. Yeah, no, I even tried to rattle him at a certain point when he was You did, he barked at him him several yeah. times. I, I'd say like two, three times I barked at him. I didn't do this immediately, folks. I'm not a complete piece of shit, but like it just well, got you, Well, to, you did yeah, it while yeah. he was like 12 feet up yeah, in, the in the air, air on a bunch and, of... Yeah, he was, he was attempting to get a balloon chairs. off of a wire on a bunch of unstable chairs, and at one point, as he was climbing up onto like the second chair, I went, that's dangerous, don't do it! Like, and uh, and he didn't even flinch. He did not flinch. He did not flinch. The children in the audience flinched. They, they all turned around you and scared the at kids. Him. I scared the kids, but were they already thinking that? The co- yeah. <laughs> as soon as we, you walked it's, up, it's, scared the kids. <laughs> yeah, like, they were, some of them weren't they thinking that. They saw that twinkle in your eye yeah, and they yeah. were. And, the, and to be fair, the ones that weren't thinking that were little fucking shits because they were thinking, I hope he fucking hurts himself. Like, <laughs> right, uh, right, 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 right. So. We were, I was hoping to see him tumble, like the, the chairs collapse from beneath him and him, like, do some crazy thing where like grabs the wire and flips on. Yeah, that's what I thought like, was going to happen. But like, I, I thought that there was going to be some. Acrobatics. That's the other thing you yeah. can never expect too much no. out of a Carney or a Rennie. No, they're going to do the bare minimum because yeah. they know they're doing it again tomorrow. They're doing it again the next night. They're doing it again in Cleveland. They're doing yeah. it again in, in right. fucking 
And they're always working without a net. Like there's right. no, there's no, it, to put it mildly, there are no safety protocols at a carnival. Correct. <laughs> Outside of like for the rides themselves, because they don't want to get sued into oblivion. Everything else though, like the, the BB guns for target practice, the, uh, Oh, they took know, them out. They, they took, yeah, they took them out this year. They ran out of lead. A lady told us <laughs> that they couldn't get lead. Which is like worried me because I'm like, is this is like, are people buying enough guns and enough ammunition is being manufactured <laughs> that like people who have lead are like, no, 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 this is this is for live rounds. Right, this is right, like, this right. is what people want at the moment, and this is what we're making. She, she didn't like, show us the uh, 3D printed AR-15s they had exactly, in the back. In the back, like yeah. So it was. It was, so we ended uh, up throwing yeah. darts at balloons rather than shooting at them. Yes, yes, we did. We threw darts at balloons. We won a couple of. Uh, she gave me a bent one, and when like I just kept talking to her and reached back in and swapped it for one that wasn't bent on the tail. <laughs> she like looked she gave at me some me. bent ones too. Yeah, and she like looked at me and and but she didn't say anything because like I didn't make a big deal and she didn't make a big deal. I think it was a professional courtesy for her to be like, okay, so this guy kind of knows what's going on. Right. And, also, there was yeah. no one else there, and there was no one else she, there. She doesn't. Like, she doesn't yeah. have a leg to stand on. No, she doesn't, but... Um, The main event of the night was the barrel racing, Mm -hmm. which is, for those of you who don't know, where uh, cowboys and cowgirls, more cowgirls Mm -hmm. than cowboys, ride their fillies through a series of barrels and have to make very sharp turns that uh, put the life of the horse and rider in danger. Um, That was fun. It was, you know... It was good. Well, one of the disappointments of the night was because of COVID. You know, for an opening night at a county fair, it was the the most sparse that I'd ever seen it. And I do attribute some of that to people having COVID fears. Um, But there normally would have been a lot more people. So a lot of the raucousness that you want at a county fair was lacking. Now, if we had gone on demolition derby night, Oh, there, there's no COVID fear in the people that go well, yeah. to the Demolition and, Derby. And if you're not familiar with county fairs or state fairs, you know, if you really want to experience, even in a time like we're in now with COVID, the full, if you want to get the full experience, go during Demolition Derby night. Mm-hmm. People are going to show up and you'll see the whole thing and you will have a lot of fun. It's not all just like mocking people and looking at this or that to be like, oh, this is, you know, this is stupid. These No, no, no. Try. You have to, you have to yeah. go to these. It's, it's like going to Graceland. Yeah. You want to go with somebody who has a sense of humor, who has mm-hmm. a certain sense of irony, but who genuinely wants to be there. Yeah. And is going to enjoy the things, the aspects of it they can enjoy and is going to laugh at the aspects of it they can laugh at. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Because, you know, there of course, there is outlandish shit going on. That's part of the reason you go to the fairs. I mean, it's it's garish. A part of it is meant to be garish. It literally has neon lights and twirls around at high speeds. And, <laughs> right. I mean, right. That, that's what it is. If you saw somebody who decorated their house that way, you'd be like, all right, this is... This, yeah, this, <laughs> this is Elvis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is Elvis. But... You know, there was also, there's also a lot of fun there and people just kind of like having a good time and seeing their friends. And then there were, there are exhibits and we went and saw some of the exhibits that had to do, you know, that have to do with like local art, whether it's paintings or photography, uh, like cross stitching, um, canning, canning, anything a domesticated housewife does well. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They and, were giving out ribbons for that shit. And they were giving out ribbons for it. And it was, you know, and it was really great. There was there was one 
uh, that was kind of disturbing that we ran across, which hey, was... Hey, tell them what we saw. There, and I, I fully support this as a category in doing this. It, there were Lego exhibits that yes. ostensibly kids did. In the case that we're talking about, I hope that it was a kid. I hope it wasn't someone who'd seen some dark, dark shit that was an adult. I don't know if that makes what I'm about to say better or worse if it had been. It's just really give, a give, give, them, give them an idea of what we saw. So we saw a... <clears throat> Lego setup that was a uh, it was a landscape piece, mm-hmm. but it was active and it was done in a square that was probably about uh, a foot and a half by a foot and a half, and it was a desert mountains maybe mountain scene. It was arid, right? Yeah. And on one side of this field board, whatever you want to call it. There were commandos in full battle gear, and on the other side, there were commandos in full battle gear. And we're talking, this is not an antique piece. This is like modern commando battle gear. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the little Lego soldiers could have been plucked straight out of Kabul International Airport. Yes, they could have been. And uh, they yeah, were- Modern military equipment. Yes, modern military equipment, and they were engaged in a battle, which is not that uncommon. But in in the no man's land between these two, there were just people laying there dead. Right. There was one person actively on one side of it who had been shot and was like going down. Yeah, it looked like it looked like his leg was being blown off. Yeah, in the snapshot that we were looking at, and it was it wasn't it, it wasn't a mountain range. It was a, it was a it was an amphibic. It was a, oh. it was a storming of a beach. Oh, okay. There was water on the front side. Oh, I didn't get that. I thought that that was like slate gray, like like. No, no, no. Because they were right, and they were like the 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 artist had done a very good job of showing all these uh, soldiers invading soldiers who were storming right. the beach in various stages of emerging from the water. Like one of them was just the Lego head. One oh. of them was like the torso up. I thought like, that was a head blown off and people blown in half. No, like, no, 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 no. Amphibious invasion. Okay. It was remarkable. It was it was remarkable, but also we were thinking about, obviously about uh, if a child were the person to have done this. What the and with the modern combat gear, especially. What did Daddy do for a living? Yeah, what what did Daddy do for a living? Like, where is Daddy? We yeah. haven't seen him in seven or eight years. <laughs> exactly. It was uh, it was pretty. We're living in in uh, some tense times with some grim things going on, and like Correct. to see this emerge from the mind of ostensibly a child at a at a county fair. Yeah, and it did get a second place ribbon. No, it got third place, got man. Third place. I was upset. Oh, yeah. it was it third, should, yeah. that, that, I'm sorry. It wasn't as imaginative as the 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 you know six or seven Star Wars Lego characters riding a dragon. Yeah, that was but a good one. It. I just think the the level of emotional maturity and you know it should have gotten first place. It it definitely should have gotten it should have gotten first place. I mean and it that, was saying something. And that's on top of on top of artistic merit, just aesthetically, and then the you know, a message, but then also this kid's already having a pretty rough time. Why not give him a fucking first place <laughs> ribbon? I mean, you'd think if you add all of that up, it equals a first place. Right. Right? Right. Like, help this kid out. He clearly has talent. Yeah. You know, and he's got a message. I mean, wh- what if this child turns into, like, the, you know, the Dostoevsky of, yeah. of you know, of, or I guess the Tolstoy. What if he turns into, like, the Tolstoy of America, this child who's, like... Of the Afghan he was, War, yeah. Yeah, when he was, like, six, he was making, like, tragic... 
you know, tableaus of war with Legos <laughs> and like winning awards. I just, I think that this child was robbed. That's all that I'm really saying. I too. And I think it was women that robbed him. Yeah. I can, I, I told you last night, I imagine the, uh, the judge, the, the board of judges at the, at the Lego, yeah. the Lego exhibit was probably like six women and one Afghan vet. And yeah. the women were like, I don't think we need to put this out there. The Afghan vet was like, God damn it, I've seen things. And so is this young man. I would I would just love to have been in the room if it was all if it was all like women judging it and they were like, Well, I don't know. It it's clearly got talent, but we need to give it a third place. And I'm just like sitting over in the corner and I look up and, and, and I just say across the like kind of across the room, I just go, You sure you feel safe? Giving it a third place? It <laughs> seemed like a safe thing to do. It looked like a safe picture. <laughs> Wearing a vest. Exactly, exactly. Like, like, no, it's just, it's just like, you know, this kid has already got some ideas. Maybe he won't like a third place. <laughs> Maybe he'll let you know. You know, it's open carry here in Tennessee, in Tennessee now. Exactly. You know? Full on. You'd be surprised what those kids can do with the machine gun booth <laughs> over there on the other side of the fairway. I mean, they really got great accuracy. I like get something with a low recoil on it. Just come in here and bombs on the midway. <laughs> like yeah. So I don't know. If you feel safe, go ahead, give it a third. But I'd give it a first. Just just me. I'm safety minded. Um, we left the fair after we saw the exhibit, mm-hmm. and as we were leaving, we encountered a pavilion. Where a small little bluegrass folk band was playing on a stage facing a lot of empty folding chairs. In fact, not one of the folding chairs yeah. had a body in it. There they was, were playing to yeah. literally no one. And I feel that we did a great disservice to these children. Yeah. I my first instinct <laughs> was to walk into the pavilion. And listen to a song or two, give them a clap, yeah, and leave. But unlike carnies, musicians are one not good. They're not carnival barkers, no. So they're not good at roping people in, which is why there was no one there. Yeah, they're also not good when their audience members stand up and leave after a song or two. It no. cuts deep for the musician. Yeah, you might hear about it immediately sometimes. <laughs> right. I've, I mean, I've said, I've said some things myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so instead of going with my gut instinct, we just skirted the perimeter of yeah. this pavilion where they could clearly see us skirting. They could clearly see us. It's important to point out that while there was no one that – no one were sitting in those was sitting in those chairs like they were completely empty. The one person who was in the immediate vicinity of them was a young man who was rather well dressed and he had on some fresh kicks and he was sitting down on the cement floor of the pavilion right near the corner yeah, where I there did. was a support post and he was sitting on the ground with one leg out in front of him and the other one folded under him and he was just scrolling through his phone completely ignoring them. <clears throat> I don't know if he was a friend I don't know if he just got tired and he thought those chairs looked dirty and he'd rather sit on the cement. I have no idea what was going on, but like it's almost as if this man had just had his heart broken and he was like, I got to go somewhere where there's nobody and I won't be bothered. Right. And so he went to this. He went to the music. He went to the music 
going on. And it was uh, it was depressing. And I felt like, Johnny, that we should go and listen to a song, but then we would have been uh, screwed into the floor. We would have been there. Right. We wouldn't have been able to leave. And it was getting late. We were already on our way out. Yeah, it was near. But, but again, that, that, I, I just, I, that just sound, I sound like a fucking bourgeois philistine. Just, uh, well, you know, it, it's getting a little late. No yeah. time to support the kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I would like to see a greater appreciation for the craft of music. Yeah develop in the modern consciousness. I would like to see more people that are aware of the fact that music is a difficult thing to do, that people spend a lot of their time working on their craft, that when they do perform it, they're making themselves vulnerable. Yeah. And that we should all, you know, take a moment and appreciate it. Even if it's not our favorite song. Even if it's not our favorite genre. Like, part of this is a lack of education. Actually, most of it is a lack of education. The majority. People are not educated in music. They're not educated in the craft of music, so they don't know what it is. Most people do not see a performer no. performing music. If they do go to a live show, they see them from thousands of feet away. Yeah. So they're not able to see the musicians practicing their technique yeah. and how it creates the sounds they're hearing. They're seeing a bunch of little dots, and then they're, they're not mesmer, mesmerized by the performance of the musicians. They're not mesmerized by their, their skill. They're mesmerized by a pyrotechnics show or a light show or an animatronic that comes up out of the fucking stage and swallows Katy Perry before she gets birthed yeah. out of an angel yeah. and descends from the ceiling on wires. No, it's, I think part of it also is, it's, I'm not going to complain about the fact that I have a device that I can carry around in my pocket that can access the majority of all music that's ever been put together and that I can listen to it, you know, at no. will. But the unintended side effect, consequence of that happening is that when you just have to push a few buttons and make a few swipes to listen to whatever you want, music becomes... Music is very important to human beings. And when you can turn something that important into a consumer good, you hear all the time about the damaging effects of um, ubiquitous access to pornography. Right. And as important as sex is to human beings and then how this warps your mind, when you can, whenever you want, just access, like you're the fucking, like you're King Cyrus of the Persian Empire and you can be like, play the music that I want. I played that music. I went exactly. Yeah, oh, wait, you, you, sorry. You have to like. You have to like. Just as you, if you're some kind of potentate, and you just wave your arm and right. you can get whatever you want. This probably is not good for human beings either, because it it denigrates and degrades something of a deep spiritual and psychological importance to human beings. Right, and it turns it into a. A, com- a very cheap commodity in terms of the fact it's like you can get all the music on earth for $10 a month. 
Right. If you've got and like you were saying earlier, dollars. yeah. Like you were saying earlier, these music festivals are not <clears throat> a new phenomenon. They're based on old celebrations, ecstatic experiences, yeah. religious experiences in which music and dance and poetry mm-hmm. were used to incite an insurrection. No, um, well, you know, incite a, a transcendent <clears throat> experience. Experience. Yeah. And the the conditioning, whether deliberate or incidental, yeah, that we've been submitting to for the past hundred years, mm-hmm. ever since the pop culture industry really started hitting its stride, is that it is on demand. Yeah, enjoyment and entertainment are on demand. There. No more, there's no more depth to them than entertainment. Yeah. And one thing that's happened is that we've, we've, we've been educated only as far back as the pop culture industry has existed. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we know, like, most Americans, for most Americans, music history stops at like 1954 yeah. because they know the music that they grew up with, they know the music that's happening now, and they know the music sometimes that their parents grew up with. And that's about it. And the few people who know more than that, it normally extends back to the the turn of the 20th century. So people who are really into blues, bluegrass, like that, you know, like Lomax family type stuff uh, with the National Archives and the Smithsonian. That's as far back as it goes. If you start talking to people because about Because it music, only goes so back, back as far as recording technology goes. goes. Exactly. So if you start talking to people about, you know, um, American composers in the 18th, in the 1800s, generally the only the only person that most people can mention to you, if they can mention them at all, and this would be someone that a lot of people would find if they could pull this name out, they'd be like, "Well, that's a well-educated person." Would be Stephen Foster, who wrote right. know, "Oh Susanna" and yeah. you know a, a host of songs that you know of that are all racial and problematic now. Yeah, that are all racial and problematic. Well, and I think in "Oh Susanna" there was one verse that like. Got removed, and it was extreme. It was wild. Well, right, they did. It was, it was. It was definitely racist, but also like it was hallucinogenic. It had to do with like a bunch of people getting like electrocuted and drowned oh. as someone was trying to go down the river in a boat. All right, by a telegram wire. Like, I mean, it was definitely okay. racist, but it was also. You should just just look up. Like, I mean, let's just the N word uh, fl- flowed freely back freely. In the day. Yeah, and and it was in these verses, and it's it's like not only is it racist, but like she be coming round a mountain. Yeah. Is that one of his, yeah. She, well, that, I think he redid that song. I don't know if he oh, wrote okay. that, but there's there's more. If you look up Stephen Foster, you'll know almost all of his famous songs. And Scott Joplin, yeah, he's Scott another Joplin. one. Yeah, Scott Joplin is another one. Although by that time, I think the the wax wheels were starting to spin and take down the take down the audio. Yeah, for for repeat listenings. Yeah, in the comfort of one's home, and this is where. I want to start talking about ivermectin. Let me, it's a little bit of a tangent, but it's going to come around. Yeah. Um, Ivermectin's been in the news a lot lately because it is, uh, it was one of these drugs that was a, was 
supposed to be back in the early days of COVID might be a treatment for COVID, never really got off the ground. And now people are getting really upset when doctors prescribe it or doctors people prescribe it, it or yeah, people without. take it or yeah. Brett Weinstein talks about it on his podcast or yeah. Joe Rogan's podcast to the point that the media backlash against this drug, which was invented in 1975, mm-hmm. was approved by the FDA for humans yep, and won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2015, not Peace Prize, won the Nobel Prize, Prize for medicine, medicine, you yeah. fucks. Um, Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize for nothing. Uh, now the news media outlets are describing this drug as a horse dewormer, which yeah. it also is. It's used for that, yes. Um, they're describing the people who want to take it or even express any interest in it as a bunch of fucking redneck rubes who are buying it from Tractor Supply Company and sucking down horse paste. And they're making, literally making up whole cloth stories about hospitals being overwhelmed by people overdosing from taking ivermectin. Yeah, and, and it's at the exact same time, ketamine is in clinical trials now to treat uh, psychological disorders, specifically depressions in human beings. And you do not hear medical professionals say at John Hopkins where a lot of these trials are being you know, done. Yeah. It's not like people are like, eh, you're, you're taking no medical professionals or people in the media push forward as medical professionals are referring to these trials as a, a euthanizing, someone using a euthanizing agent for kitty cats and horses. Right. right? For, and there, there are more drugs. If you growing Quaaludes. up. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up in agriculture. Right. And I'm, and I'm trying to think of examples from, you know, growing up working with livestock, there are drugs that you were, that are prescribed to your pets, right? Like, so a, a rich person, this is, this is the best example I can come up off at the top of my head. And it's not livestock, but it has to do with pets. There are rich people who completely buy into this narrative of people using ivermectin being, you know, hicks and trash and saying that okay, this is this is horse dewormer. Oh yeah, they buy into that. But the exact same time, uh, these people, many of whom are wealthy, and some of whom have little dogs that have anxiety, they give their dogs Xanax. Right now, so if you flip that, on so its that they head, can take them on an airplane. Right, they they are prescribed by physicians to give SSRIs to their puppy dogs, and nobody in the media bats an eye about it. No. Right, they don't. They don't go. Oh, okay. And these are the same people as well who will take support ponies onto airplanes. Yeah. Like, and they, and and they're just like, oh no, but you can't take fucking ivermectin. That's for that's a horse trying. I mean, that's a, that's a dewormer for horses. It's now deeply dishonest. Let's let me say here, I'm not saying anyone should go out and take any drug whatsoever that is not prescribed to them in yeah. a certain dosage by a medical doctor. Right. No one is saying that. Yeah, no I, one has said yeah, that. Ivermectin is not an over-the-counter drug, and you should not just acquire it without any advisement on the dosage. If you take a drug that is used to kill parasites in, in, a, in an unknown dosage, and you get it, let's say, for horses or for cattle, and then you attempt to come up with your own dosage, the chances that you will hurt yourself are high. 
they're pretty high. Well, so the explanation for this media malfeasance, hysteria, whatever you want to call obfuscation. it. Obfuscation. Obfuscation. Uh, nonsensical opposition to a drug which has still is still going through trials yeah. to show how effective it is in preventing COVID, which is apparently supposed to be the most dangerous thing in the world. So you'd want all the options on the table, right? You want right. everything that can help it. Yes yeah. or yes. The explanation for this hysteria given by Brett Weinstein, Weinstein? Yeah, it's an Einstein with a W. Weinstein, Weinstein who was the fir- the person who really popularized um, this drug in the national media on his own podcast, and then again on Joe Rogan's podcast, is that ivermectin, invented in 1975, has gone generic, meaning it's off patent. It's off patent. Big pharmaceutical companies do not stand to make a major profit from it. What they do stand to make a major profit from, and which they have made a major profit from, are these novel vaccines mm-hmm. that have been injected into millions of Americans. Uh, Pfizer reported $11.3 billion in revenue from the COVID vaccine alone in the first half of 2021. Now, there's an incentive here for Pfizer and for Moderna which is we want to make it so the only solution to the problem, the problem being COVID-19, is the vaccine that we produced so that we make all the profits we can possibly make. Now, add to this the fact that the FDA only approved the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Well, no, it hasn't even approved the Moderna vaccine. It's only approved the Pfizer vaccine. Only approved that on August 23rd, less than a month ago. Yeah. About two weeks ago. Until that point, it was only approved for emergency use. And this is an interesting interesting fact or interesting point in the uh, ivermectin story because a drug, a new drug can only be approved for emergency use if... There are no other drugs that are currently already exist right. that are better or that have better or equal outcomes at preventing COVID-19 fatalities. So in other words, Pfizer vaccine had to be the best possible remedy for COVID-19, for the COVID-19 pandemic in order for it to, get, to be approved for emergency use, and for them to be able to make all the Boku money that they made. And they make a lot of money off of it. I was just trying to look this uh, look this up. If you... Uh, well, good luck with that. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm, not getting, <laughs> I'm not getting a signal, which is one of the reasons I can't do it. And it was oh. on someone's Twitter account, but they looked at it. And, and it's basically like this. So at the moment, one of the things that is happening as well is of the uh, even emergency approvals... Right, so not the FDA approvals, but the emergency approvals for shots. The only, and this is why you may look this up if you can. Uh, it may be a little hard to do, but the only of those three, 
the only one that has been approved for these forthcoming boosters is the Pfizer vaccine. So Moderna was turned down on the grounds that apparently they had insufficient data or information that would clear them for the booster shots. And Pfizer, their approval, a former president of Pfizer is in some way on the like approval board, right? Of the FDA. Of the or FDA, the CDC or, or, or the like WHO. Some, some big, and that's why I wanted to look this KKK, up. Or the KKK. Yeah, what? exactly. <laughs> one, one of these austere organizations. <laughs> uh, and I was, uh, I was trying to find this on my phone so I could read it out uh, exactly. But so even Moderna, who's making a lot of money off this, done a lot of lobbying in Congress. Folks, a fair amount of this is a game about who gets the money and how they get it. A fair amount? Uh, yeah. Uh, the majority. I would say 100%. So Pfizer has Pfizer was cleared for the booster shots. So basically there were people who all had a bunch of money in Congress, you can imagine, lobbying for years as pharmaceutical companies, not just for this vaccine. There was an emergency. We're scrambling to get everything together. And what ends up happening is as everything uh, breaks out quite literally, three of these vaccines go into uh, R&D or production or they're already in R&D and production. They're accelerated. They come out and everybody gets a payday of one form or the other. Some people do better than others. But going forward in a world where you're probably going to have to take boosters forever or it's going to be advised that you do so. Right. right for the foreseeable future, it, we'll, we'll say there's no way in my head this doesn't go on at least five years, probably a decade, if not interminably. Christ, that's my guess. Take that with a grain of salt, but that's kind of what I think is going to happen because the money is too big from it when you have a captive audience. Right, right, and then if you have to, if vaccine passports uh, become a thing along and get folded into social credit scores, it will be. It will be the uh, justification used for continuing them and never discontinuing them. I mean, think about the fact that when you go through the airport, you still have to take off your fucking shoes and your belt and everything else to this day. Right, because we can't fire all those right. workers. Yeah, you, we you, can't fire all those yeah. people with their little magnet guns. No. You, you have to do all that shit, and then you have to walk through a full like invasive body scan that goes through every single one of your clothes, which would catch if those things were on you anyway. It's not an either or scenario. You still have to do the first one. You have to do the second one and you can't refuse any of them. Right. And this is 20 years this year. Yeah. 20 years, two decades, almost a quarter of the 21st century that you've had to do this. It's, it's, it's unlikely that this is going to get stopped without a concerted effort on the part of the populace edging up on something like a, a revolt. So I say this- Hey, 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 yeah, hey. No, yeah. insurrection, no on insurrection on the podcast. But That's for the street. That's for the bar that's later. For the bar, that's for the bar later. But um, I, I say all this to say Pfizer's president, it just so happens, you know, th these things, they just happen. Who can say why? Pfizer's president, former president, is on the board of the FDA, I think the FDA, CDC, one of these, and, and approved this. And that's the one that went through. And there was another news story tying into this that I can't, I can't recall that had something to do with- Scott you know, Gottlieb. Scott Gottlieb. And is it CDC, FDA? Recent FDA commissioner is on Pfizer board Recent, of directors. Very important word, folks. Recent. Right. The revolving door. Yeah. And then they just happened to be the ones who win this. And there was some story that tied into this with Israel as well having- they had tried to submit something and it was also flagged for insufficient data research information. 
And, you know, they have their own situation where it's the most highly uh, vaccinated country on the face of the earth. Israel. And Israel. And their, and their infection rates are so high that Sweden just basically locked its border to them. No ah. one can fly in. I mean, those anti-fucking Semites didn't take a fucking stance against the Nazis, and now they're blocking the Jews. That's right. Ooh. Okay. Well, before I get into that ditch, yeah. Um, the reason I went off on this ivermectin tangent is because there is a similar phenomenon happening in the entertainment industry. Most of you know what a copyright is. There is a period of time after which a writer or filmmaker or musician creates a piece of art that that art is protected by a copyright, which means that no one else can use, reproduce, distribute, replicate that piece of art without paying the artist. In other words, the artist or whoever happens to own the copyright stands to make a profit off of that piece of art mm -hmm. until the copyright expires. Now, back in the early days of America, copyright law in America goes back to 1790. Copyright, you could get a maximum of 28 years on a copyright. Originally, it was 14. Well, it was 14, yeah. and then you could renew for another, for another 14 years. That's right, for another 14 So your maximum right. was yeah. 28 years. This was the case all the way up until 1976, when the pop culture industry was really hitting its stride. Yeah. When they changed the law, revised the copyright law to 75 years or the lifetime of the artist plus 50 years. So it's either 75 years copyright or however long the artist lives plus 50 years after his death so that his kids can make some money off of it too. This was again revised in 1998 under what it was known as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act. Disney plays a very important part in this story, uh, kids. Yeah, which is so named because it protected the original Mickey Mouse cartoons from becoming public domain, extended copyright to 120 years or the lifetime of the artist plus 70 years. Now, this is interesting because, as I mentioned earlier, people are only taught to listen to music or to watch films that have been produced in the past 70 years or so. Right, and that curious. Isn't that curious? And this is, because, this is interesting because, you know, if this is the case, people are still making money off of all of the airplay and digital downloads mm -hmm. and, you know, what? Spots, you know, music and film. Elvis Presley's estate is still making money. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin's uh, publication house is still making money. Madonna's record label is still making money. Right. An inexhaustible source of income unless somebody gets canceled posthumously. Right. Or, they're, well, they're, until their copyright goes out. Yeah, well, I'm just saying if they're canceled posthumously, people will be like, now we're a monster, and they won't fucking listen to their oh, shit. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? That's the only way to really tank somebody's residuals. Right. Is to do, is for that to happen at this point. Right. There's a great, whereas, yeah. Now, this is interesting. Yeah. Because not only are people not encouraged to listen to Beethoven 
or Brahms, right? Or Tchaikovsky, Debussy, or Tchaikovsky, or whoever it may be. The woke crusaders, right, are out in the streets telling you you shouldn't listen to these people because they're, you know, old, dead, white men who possibly, possibly had some unsavory views about browner people. And that's interesting because these woke people describe themselves as anti-capitalists. They describe profit as a, as a sin. And yet they are aiding and abetting the what Theodore Adorno calls the culture industry in maximizing its profits, keeping people dumb, keeping people consuming the lowest common denominator art, which, let's be honest, the music you listen to, I'm talking to every single person that listens to this podcast, the vast majority of the music you listen to was written, produced, and distributed for the consumption of teenagers. Yeah. If you are in your 30s, and most of what you listen to is Madonna or the Eurythmics or Michael Jackson, you're listening to children's music. Yeah, Bob Dylan once famously described music critics who slagged him off as uh, 40-year-olds who write for 14-year-olds. <laughs> well, he was not, he was not he was, wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, and, and that's, that's really what it is. There's, there's two... There's there's one excellent book that's specifically on the subject of uh, copyright. That's actually it's it's genius uh, by probably one of the best living essay prose nonfiction writers uh, writing in English. His name is Lewis Hyde. His most famous book is Trickster Makes the World. I recommend you check out all of his stuff. But he has one called Common as Air. Not a big book, maybe 220 pages. And that was a book that came out uh, beginning of the previous decade, I think 2012, 2013. And it deals with uh, the evolution of copyright law specifically. Mm -hmm. That's a great book to check out on this subject. And he's a very good writer, so it's not like dense. One of the most important books that anyone can read right now that came out 2019, just before the end of the year, 2020 started, is a uh, former East German economist. She's highly intelligent. And this this book that I'm about to list is important for understanding the world you live in now and how it works. It's like somebody shows you how the actual machine works. It's called The Code of Capital by Katerina with a K and an H in there. Katerina Pistor, P-I-S-T-O-R. It's called The Code of Capital. And she gets into basically how the law makes wealth and inequality. And that's like with private laws or private contracts and how they interact with uh, laws made by countries and how the entire finance system works. Da, da, da. But she has an entire chapter that's devoted to um, copyrights and intellectual property, essentially. And it, and it bridges the conversation that we're having about medicine and copyright. Right. And it gets into, okay... The way that all of this started to happen is the majority of what you understand about copyright goes back to um, English common law in the 1200s. I'm not going to go off on a long tangent here, but I'll make it really short. Well, Laws, everyone is yeah. getting a big chub for English common law in the 12th century. So they, they, they are. Please. I get fan letters. At least, at least get them the yeah. climax. So, so what all of this goes back to is it has to do with actual property rights as they deal with land. So the way that all of this started out was it, it deals with the fact that lawyers have taken 
property or capital as you understand it. And the first form of that that anyone could deal with were like aristocrats who owned land. And that you had common lands that peasants and people like that worked and were common to everyone. And then you had private lands. And then technically the king had the right to all land. The king or the queen did. Mm -hmm. And from there... As things began to change heading into the Renaissance, there were changes. And a lot of the common land got swallowed up by aristocrats. And then they uh, pooled a lot of that into their own uh, private land holdings. And, and the, and the uh, commoners fought back against that sometime, destroying like hedges. All those fucking hedges that you see in the UK, like uh, the, the way that that became a trend there was that landlords put those up, aristocrats did, to things that had formerly been the commons. They put those up to wall them off. Yes. And uh, people would come through and they would smash them down or they would plow up the fields that were formerly theirs at the... And it was was a whole process that goes up into uh, the Renaissance. And then what started to happen was as things began to change, these aristocrats started to take out uh, credit on their land. But then they got lawyers to start creating a series to, to manipulate the law to to set up a situation where they could their creditors couldn't take away their land like it was very hard for their creditors who gave them money so they would basically say I'm going to let you mortgage my pro- I'm going to mortgage right, my right. property you're going to give me a loan and then they came up with all these dodges that lawyers helped them put together to keep their creditors from then seizing their assets when they couldn't pay their bills so, Interesting. And then the entire thing starts out. I need, the, a, I, need a, I need a lawyer like that. Yeah, so the, so the first thing that they did, the first thing in all property rights, you have uh, priority, durability, universality, and then the ability to convert whatever your capital is into cash or some kind of monetary substance, gold, silver. These are the four things that always have to do. Everything that we're talking about, intellectual property rights, it's literally called intellectual property, down to land. These are the four things that you want in order to be able to hold on to something. Because a priority right, if you have four creditors are coming after you for money that you owe them, one of those creditors has a priority. It's supposed to have priority. You've you've gotten into the hedges. Yeah, so they they can get it first. So again, going back to like uh, a recording, so, so in an ivermectin like situation, to take it to drugs, right. when it comes off of patent, right? When you don't have the patent anymore, you don't have the priority. If somebody, you don't have the ability to sue somebody, yeah, right. If for them ripping you off, yeah. you've lost the priority to that piece of property, and you've also lost your durability, which is a claim on priority throughout time. Right, sure. Which is what that is. That is what. What do um, they say? In perpetuity. In perpetuity, and so that's what that is. What a patent does. It gives you a priority claim on a piece of intangible property throughout time. So, right. like a certain amount of years. So she gets into this, and the book. It you need to read it like a chapter at a time. It's probably like 230 pages. And some of it is a little, you might have to flip back and forth a little bit on to figure it out. But like it it explains how the world works and it very much, I was reading it as all this news is breaking. I just finished it a few days ago. It came highly recommended uh, to me by a friend of mine. And it it's a shocking look into exactly what we're talking about. How basically... All this started out in English common law having to deal with land. But then over time, everything from like credit default swaps, which largely caused 
like the financial breakdown to intellectual property. They're manipulations of these laws to basically, it's them grafting previous rights onto new instruments. Sure. So all, all this flows in in that way, and it's it's very uh, – all this is what, about money, kids. That's what I'm saying. It's all, it's about, all money. about money. It's all about money. If you think we're on here trying to spook you about the vaccine, you don't need to get it because it's going to no. turn, your, turn your dick into a lizard that, whose tail falls off when somebody grabs it. No. We're trying to get it across to you that, well – the vaccine doesn't seem to stop the transmission of COVID, which it was promised to do. Yeah. It promises to make some per- some people <clears throat> a lot of fucking money. Technically, our money, because yeah. it's tax-funded. Tax the funded. government is paying for this. You yeah. go to the CVS, you get a free shot. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. No, you don't. And, yeah. So, if... To make that, I'm not saying that copyrights should not exist. Right. At least in the in the economic model that we live in right now. But I you, do not want yeah. to write a song no. that's really successful and then have twenty thousand people make twenty five dollars off at a piece because they put it in their on their, their commercial or yeah. in their whatever, but and it, I don't make any yeah. fucking money off of it. But however, it, yeah. However, if you have a copyright, I mean, if if Walt Disney is still making money off of Mickey Mouse, something that has become so ubiquitous that it's literally just a, 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 a sort of, what, what, I don't even know what you would People call that. People have been that. sued for painting Mickey Mouse on the wall of daycares, local daycares for Can we stop? infringement. Like, I mean, this is how serious this is. And you have, to, you have to ask yourself the question, okay? If they extended the copyright to 120 years- I want to years, ask you this question. Yeah. If you painted Mickey Mouse with his dick hanging out, would you get sued? Oh, pretty hard. I imagine wow. you would get sued really hard. It's like, 120. If, if we're going to 120 years. Yeah. If we're going to 120 <laughs> years, like, do you think if they went ahead and extended to 120 years after that period's over, do you think that these people are going to be like, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. Right. We've made all the money we want to make, and we're very <laughs> reasonable people right. who have... What we're trying to turn into basically like religious iconography at this point. Yes. Like, you think that we're going to let go of that? Yes. Like, no, they're they're not going to. And it's, it's not, like, I can yeah. understand. I can even, like, obviously you want copyrights to protect the creators of the art yeah. that they make from being exploited. Yeah. Depending upon the situation... It's completely, perfectly reasonable to say, hey, we'll even extend the copyright past the artist's death because the artist was a fuck-up and didn't leave uh, uh, an inheritance for his children, and his children are dirt poor. So they can make some money off of it. Yeah. After that, you kind of have to wonder. And when it's not even these family estates that are holding the copyrights, it's major record labels, it's uh, Disney, it's multinational corporations. Multinational corporations yeah. that are making money off of shit that is over 100 years old and has, is in a, in, a, in, a, in a, what, metaphorical sense is public domain. Like Mickey Mouse, I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. It's public domain. It's, it's public domain it's in every shit. sense except legally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't even make Mickey Mouse movies anymore. Right? No, they don't. He's he is an icon. Well, no, I, the, I, I think like they still like make editions of him for children. Oh yeah, they'd probably do direct to internet video right. type shit where it's like him, you know, 
slicing tomatoes and then like yeah. brandishing the knife at yeah. somebody and get the vaccine. <laughs> Hi everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like that that type of thing. Like you know, he's basically. You, you ever seen a little prick? You ever felt a little prick, boys and girls? Have you have you seen your neighbors doing things that aren't good? Have you have you thought that you need you need to be a good citizen? You need to contact your your local FBI agent and tell them, and you'll get an ice cream scoop on me, your pal Mickey. Do it to your parents too. Like <laughs> no one's above the law. No one's above the law. Did you see Marsha get an abortion? Tell on her. Tell on her. You know, ten thousand dollars can buy a lot of lollipops. A whole lot. And I get a two percent cut. All right, I think uh, I think we should just end it there. <laughs> Ray Fox, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Um, do you have anything to plug? No, I don't have anything to plug at the moment. I mean, I'm I'm busy working on my own stuff, and as soon as I have something to plug, I will uh, I will definitely uh, send it uh, send it your way, and I'll plug it. I'll do it, but at well, I'm going to plug the Patreon. If you're not subscribed to the Patreon, you're missing out. We're going to start running ads on these episodes because got to make a buck, and I'm tired of doing this for free. So, if you go to Patreon.com/slash/NearDarkRadio, it's three dollars a month to subscribe. A month. A month. How many fucking Starbucks? Does that cost you? If you just snitch on one person getting an abortion, then how much? I mean, that's what what a three three times twelve. Just do the math. Thirty six, even after taxes, thirty six dollars out of six thousand. Right. You know. Right. Just do that. Just do that. S- yeah. Smoke half as much. You're making nine thousand nine hundred and sixty six. It yeah. took me a while there. Yeah, that was a while. So, uh, yeah, become a patron. You'll get episodes without ads. They're going to start having ads from here on out. We're going to do some bonus content. You'll get all the bonus content. Uh, You'll be able to ask us questions, get them answered on the air. If that's something you're into, just give us some feedback. Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. A four-star review even works. Write a review. If you're really that, if you know, if if you have time to write a Yelp review, you have time to write an iTunes review. Um, what else? Find us on Twitter at Near Dark Radio. And that's all, folks. See you in the hall. 